Welcome back in everyone to a fabulous new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by a very special guest today. Joining us today, we have the artistic director of the Red Bull Theater, Jesse Berger. He's here today to talk to us about the upcoming production of The Country Wife, which is being presented by Red Bull Theater and Art Lab Productions. It's playing Monday, December 11th at Symphony Space. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting redbulltheater.com. We're very excited to have Jesse on to talk to us about this, as well as to talk to us about the 20th season at the Red Bull Theater. This is very exciting. So with that, let's go ahead and welcome on our guest, Jesse Berger. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you, Stage Whisper. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I look forward to talking with you about everything coming up. I thank you so much. I'm excited to have you here as we were just talking. I have been a long Long-time fan, first-time talker, I guess, of the Red Bull Theater. I've seen productions being done there so many times when I've been looking for tickets, and I'm just kicking myself in the rear end because I haven't actually gone, but it is on my list. And now you have this great concert coming up, this Mulberry and Shire piece, The Country Wife, coming on Monday, December 11th, with an incredible cast. So I want to start with this. Can you tell us a little bit about what The Country Wife is about? Sure. The Country Wife is based on a restoration comedy. I and it, it is a, I should say, it is raunchy comedy that is Shakespearean in spirit. So if you are listening and you love Shakespearean comedy, this is as body as Shakespearean comedy gets. It was written about maybe 50 years after Shakespeare lived in the early part of what's known as the Restoration. So when the theaters reopened after the Puritans closed them for 20 years or so. And so the, the plot of The Country Wife is fairly simple, A at least in its original, a man named Horner, comes to town, pretend, and he used to be known as kind of a rake and a ladies' man, and he comes back to town after some time away, claiming to have lost the use of an important part of his body, of his anatomy, for sexual relations. And that makes him safe for all the ladies of the town to uh, hang out with. And so all the gentlemen of the town allow Horner to spend time with their wives, and it turns out that Horner has concocted this fairy tale about um, losing his his important part of his anatomy. I don't know if this is PG, PG thirteen, or R, but but he this is a fabrication, and so hijinks ensue. Now this is a new version of the Country Wife that has been adapted by Richard Maltby and David Shire, who you know are well known in the theater community as some incredible musical talents. So Malpi and Shire have been working on this project for, I think, about five years. They brought it to me, Richard brought it to me about five years ago, and we did a reading of it, a very private reading of it, at the Duke on 42nd Street back in 2017. And it was great, but it wasn't done. And then they went away and kept working on it and revised it. And so now the new version that we're sharing on Monday, December 11th, that'll be performed at Symphony Space on 95th and Broadway. And Richard and David have come up with a terrific framing device around the original plot of The Country Wife, where, whereby it is going to be performed by a group of players 
in antebellum New Orleans, in uh, post-Civil War, and pre-Civil War New Orleans, excuse me. And so it's a great melting pot of people of all types of ethnicities and genders. And, and uh, New Orleans was a very cosmopolitan, still is, but was an extremely cosmopolitan city at that time. And so a group of itinerant players are putting on the country wipe. So you'll have kind of two plots going on. The story of the group of players putting on the play and sometimes changing the original plot saying, wait a minute, I don't agree with these gender dynamics, for instance, anymore. Are we really going to do this? Uh, the 1840s is 200 years after this play was written. And of course, now we're 200 years later. So it has a lot of fun with that. It has a great score by David Shire. And as you mentioned, Andrew, we have a terrific, terrific cast. We have people like Crystal and Lloyd and Brad Oscar, and I, I'll make a little news. Andy Grotolution just joined us, and Carson Elrod and Angela Grovey, and who am I leaving out? Nicholas Christopher, and it, it really is a wonderful, wonderful. Lauren Warsham, don't get me started. It's a great group. It's going to be a fun night, and it is all to benefit, both uh, to support the development of this work and get the word out about Maltby and Shire's wonderful new musical version of The Country Wife, but also it is a benefit a concert event to support Red theater and we'll talk more about that i'm sure as we go on yes that sounds amazing the show the story itself sounds like fantastic folly and then you've got that incredible cast to back it up this sounds like a wonderful evening i want to ask a little bit more about how you came to be like how you came upon this piece you had mentioned that they approached you kind of about mm -hmm. uh, like uh, how do i put it private industry read almost you know so how, how do you get your hands on the piece i guess well i'll tell you you know richard was introduced to red bull theater by a friend of a uh, friend of the company who was on our board at the time a wonderful writer and who was also involved a patron of ours who joined our board and also uh, as a writer and she introduced richard to the company and brought him to a couple of our readings red bull theater does regular i would say monthly but it's more like seasonal, like once a month for the season of a theater season, like September through June, we do a monthly reading. And it's a staged reading with some of the finest actors that you can find in town. And our, our mission is to shine a light on the rarely produced classics, primarily with a focus on the rarely produced plays of Shakespeare and his contemporaries. So you won't find us doing very often, although we occasionally do well-known plays by Shakespeare, but you might find us doing Coriolanus, and you'll definitely, which we did, and you'll find us doing, for instance, Erica Schmidt's really interesting take on Macbeth with the seven actresses that was done a few years ago. That was a Red Bull production. So Kathy, my friend who was on our board, I also knew Richard, and now I don't know how they met, but they met, and, they, and Kathy brought Richard along to see one of our readings, and it happened happened to be, I think it was, a restoration comedy. George, Eth uh, it was by a play by George, e George Etheridge named, called The Man of Mode. And it was starring Reg Rogers and Michael Urie and Vianne Cox. And it was, it, was, it, it was a really fun night. And it was a benefit reading like the one we're doing of The Country Wife. And Richard had this idea for The Country Wife, the musical, and it had been in his back pocket for a while. And he had a lightning bolt and said, oh my God, this is the company for The Country Wife, the musical. So he sent me a treatment. And we started a conversation and that culminated in a year or two later in that first reading that I told you about. And then, of course, we wanted to see it go forward. And there was this little pandemic in the way. So that slowed us down by a couple of years. But now we're, we're excited to get. But it also gave Richard some time to really completely rework the book, which he did. And so that that's the genesis of how it came to be um, you know, associated with Red Bull Theater. And we're thrilled to be helping develop it further. That is fantastic. Now. 
I would like to ask a little bit more about the development of this show, because you did mention the benefit of it, you know, getting the word out about this uh, new piece by Mulberry and Shire, as well as, you know, the attention to Red Bull Theater, raising awareness and funds for it, but also about this stellar cast. Oh, my gosh. I mean, again, when I was reading through the press release, I was like, look at this. This is incredible. This talent that that is coming together for this. So as, you know, we're heading in, I mean, we're about a month away as we're recording this, but Mm -hmm. what has it been like starting to develop this? Well, it's been fun, you know? I mean, one of the great things about doing work, uh, doing this kind of work with artists of the caliber of Maltby and Shire is that other great artists want to be involved. And so it's not hard. I mean, it's not easy, but it's not hard to attract people of real talent and and notoriety uh, like Lauren Worsham and Brad Oscar and the others in the cast to join us because if they are available and they have time, they want to because the play is good and the music is good and the collaborators are good. And and if I may modestly say, you know, Red Bull is now 20 years in and we have a reputation for being a good place to work and a a place where quality matters. And so I think that, uh, so that part of it, it's not easy because it, it takes work. You still have to ask a lot of people, but the to participate. But that part of it is is definitely the fun part. And then you know, there's there. Are, if you get under the hood, there's all sorts of details that you know we don't do a lot of musicals at Red Bull. This is the third or fourth time we've done a concert like this, and the first time we've done one that is a brand new score. And so you know, you you make plans and you go, oh yes, of course we will need an orchestrator. We will need you know this music has not been written down yet. We need all sorts of things that are copyists and things that normally. For instance, last year, we did a concert benefit of a great musical from the 1960s called Your Own Thing, which it was a hit in 1968, 69, around the same time as Hair, a version of Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. But all the music exists and, you know, you, you get the rights and you do it. And in this case, we're, you know, we're really creating something brand new together with David and Richard. And so that's fun. And that's that's the work that we're engaged in now. And, and there's not a lot of rehearsal for one of these benefit readings. So creating the support system for Richard and for the team so that they have all the resources they need so that those 25 hours of rehearsal that they get for a benefit reading like this really are put to the best possible use. Wonderful. With the risque kind of story that exists in it, you know, but still fun story, is there a message or a thought you're hoping that audiences take away from The Country Wife? Yes, and I think this is really to Richard's credit. You know, the original, the original, I think, is slightly more cynical, but I, and I don't want to put a moral or words in Richard's mouth, but when I read the, when I read the latest version that he sent us and that we're working on, I really think it is really a message of, ultimately a message of love and that the heart is all that matters and finding the one that you love and finding your person and embracing that spirit of love and joy. Because the play really is at its, uh, at its elemental heart, it's a comedy of manners about relations between human beings who are constantly fumbling towards love and sex, let's be honest, and, and security. And, and there's a, so there's a lot of jokes to be had at humanity's expense in this play along the way in terms of how foolish we can be when it comes to matters of love and sex and money. And it's all tied up in this play. And, and, but at the, at the heart of it, I think the message really is about being true to your love. Now, I do want to turn our attention a little bit about your 20th anniversary. I mean, this is a big deal, 20 years of the Red Bull Theater. And I first want to ask, you know, 
Jesse, how long have you been a part of the Red Bull Theater, especially since you're the artistic director? Well, thanks for asking. I, I am I am pleased and proud and and amazed every day that the theater company that I founded 20 years ago is still here, and it's due to so many collaborators. But I, I really started it because I wanted to I wanted to do these kinds of plays, great classic plays that are rarely produced. I wanted to wrestle with them with the best actors, and I wanted to be able to invite lots of fantastic collaborators in to work with me. And I I didn't dare to dream at that time 20 years ago that the company would last 20 years, but I did dare to dream like well if the first production goes well maybe there'll be five years maybe 10 years what kind of plays would i want to do what kind of mission statement could i write and so you know it really started because i i have a vision for a kind of company and it hasn't turned into exactly that vision 20 years later but it's pretty close and and it's, so it's wonderful because we discovered not only or i discovered and and others who, who helped discovered along with me that there was not just a community of artists who wanted to do these plays but there was a real audience for them that were not you know that were hungry for them and so it's been a, it's been uh, very gratifying on both ends of the equation because uh, to to get to know the people who love this work and get to know them as a community of uh, not just um, you know, of audience of, uh, patrons and audience members, supporters, and as well as the artists who want to do it, of course. And, and so that, that is that the word community gets thrown around a lot, but it really is a community that, that is bonded around this work. And, and of course, many of the performers go off and do lots of other different things and audience members go to lots of different theaters. But I'm, I know now that 20 years in that there is a kind of core community that is, um, that is Red Bull Theater. And we're, uh, you know, so I'm excited about now dreaming the future with that community and seeing if we can grow a little bit. That's so wonderful. And with you being involved in the theater now, 20 plus years, it seems, is there a particular show or performance that really sticks out in your mind? From, from work that we did or work that I've seen? Work that you've done with Red Bull Theater. There are a few. I mean, you know, there. I have real children. that So likening plays to children is is not a full analogy, but I do think of the productions that, that we've done at Red Bull as, as a lot of them as like the children of the company. So I'll, I'll try to pick a few, but we did a extraordinary production of The School for Scandal by Sheridan that Mark Vitor directed. We did a terrific, I, I think that, of course, I think they were terrific, but I, we, we, the ones that I are jumping to mind are Michael Sexton's production of Coriolanus that we did in the, in the year of the 2016 election. It was right around that time. So it was a very potent play to be doing at that time. And that featured Stephen Spinella and Lisa Harrow and Patrick Page and Dion Johnstone and just a terrific cast. And it was very timely and powerful. I mentioned earlier Erica Schmidt's wonderful production of Macbeth, which was a, a version of Macbeth done with seven young actresses playing seven schoolgirls enacting Macbeth. That was quite powerful. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention one of the ones that was mo most joyful for me was our production of The Government Inspector that we did a few years ago in Jeffrey Hatcher's version starring Michael Urie and, and the uh, late... Um, Dear Departed, Mike McGraw, Mary Testa, Arnie Burton, Stephen DeRosa, and Talene Monaghan, and a, a host of wonderful, wonderful actors. That was a real highlight of, of, our, of my time. And I could reach back further to some of the earlier ones, which were really great, like The Revengers Tragedy and Women Beware Women and Pericles, um, so, and The Witch of Edmonton. So, you know, there, there are a lot of great memories, but those are some of the highlights. I love that. Well, <laughs> 20 years in the books, Many, many, many more years to come. What can audiences expect in the future with Red Bull Theater? 
Absolutely. Well, we have some things coming up this season that, I, that I'd love to point out. Thanks for asking. I mean, we have a, in terms of just the readings that we have scheduled, we have a really fun reading. And maybe this is the one you should come see for if you want to get your in on the ground floor of something that is a new version of Moliere's The Imaginary Invalid, adapted by Jeffrey Hatcher, featuring Mark Lynn Baker and Arnie Burton and some other wonderful actors to be announced. That's going to be really funny. That's on President's Day. So if you're unless you're celebrating the presidents, that's on President's Day this coming this coming February. And we're doing that in partnership at the French Institute of Alliance Frances, FIOF. That's a one night only event. And then in April and May, oh, and then we have a couple of wonderful um, Shakespeare readings coming up. One of them is Antony and Cleopatra featuring John Douglas Thompson as Antony. That'll be on March 25th at the, at the Lortel Theater downtown. And we're doing that in partnership with the acting company. And in April, we're doing a reading of The Tempest featuring Patrick Page. And that's going to be downtown at the Sheen Center for Thought and Culture in their Loretto Theater. And also in April and a little bit into May, we're doing a what we're calling a 20th anniversary festival. And in that month, April, May 2024, we're going to have a slew of extraordinary readings, workshops, um, all cabarets. Jacob Ming Trent is writing something called uh, a terrific new one man cabaret uh, called How Shakespeare Saved My Life. We've got a reading of a new play by Bill Kane uh, called God Spies that's about the writing of King Lear. We've got Patrick Page in The Tempest. We've got Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra. We've got a, a workshop of Afro Ben's The Rover, which is being directed by GT Upchurch and will feature Santino Fontana. And we've got a reading of Liz Duffy Adams' play called Or What She Will, which is about the life of Afro Ben. And other stuff that I'm not remembering. Oh, and a, a workshop of a, another version of Macbeth, which will feature Chuck Woody Iwuji in the title role. In addition to a Shakespeare play that we're putting on for Shakespeare in Schools, which is our education outreach program, and that'll serve, we hope, about 500 kids in the Bronx with a free performance of a Shakespeare play. And beyond that, the next production... That's what I should have led with, right? That's a, that's the 20th anniversary festival. But the next thing is a production, which we just announced today is going to be done in a rolling world premiere. This is a play that we've developed, um, that we commissioned and workshopped last year. It's a new version of Euripides' Medea in a hip hop adaptation by Luis Quintero. And so it's called Medea Reversed by Luis Quintero, and it will be a rolling world premiere. It's going to start in this summer at the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival and move into New York City with us in a co-production with Bedlam. So it'll be Hudson Valley Shakespeare Theater, Bed Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival, Bedlam Theater, and Red Bull Theater all working together to bring Luis Quintero's Medea Reverse to Off-Broadway in the fall of 2024. That'll be in September, October of the coming year. And so that's the next major production coming our way. It's, it's an exciting time. And then we have some others that are in the pocket that don't have dates yet, like Titus Andronicus is coming your way probably next spring. That is amazing. Oh, my gosh. My calendar's already filling up with all of this. <laughs> We're busy. We're a small company off-Broadway. We keep pretty busy. Yeah. Well, my final question for this first part, I... It, it's going to be a two-parter, but who do you hope have access to both the Country Wife coming up on the 11th of December and to the Red Bull Theater itself? 
Well, you know, uh, in some ways that's a really hard question. And in other ways, it's a really easy question. I want everyone to come. I hope everybody comes. And we definitely do our best to make sure that we have affordable tickets and student tickets and outreach to communities that maybe don't hear about us uh, through uh, the channels of, you know, the playbill.com channels that uh, real theater aficionados are looking at. So we we want everyone to be welcome and feel welcome. And, and we're doing everything we can to get the word out and, and invite people in and, and meet people where they are in terms of their um, price. Well, I want to switch things up now for the second part of our interview and let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Pull our curtain back, if you will. And I want to start by asking you, you know, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some of your favorites? Oh, boy. that Yes. Um, thank you for asking that question. It's it's a... Uh... It shouldn't be so hard to answer, but it's like picking, it's like picking from all the, the pearls over the years, you know, my, uh, I'll go back a little bit for you just to, you know, I, I was raised in a household where Shakespeare and James Bond were equally important, <laughs> you know, see, you know, go, uh, go, I grew up in Oregon. My dad took us to double features of James Bond movies. I grew up seeing all of them from, you know, predating my birth and up to the moment of my childhood. And my and my mom took us to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and you know we saw a lot of Shakespeare and other plays growing up. So I, in some ways, when I say that, my work at Red Bull Theater, in a, some ways, encapsulates that feeling of or that desire to have very popular versions of classical plays. The highbrow meeting the let's call it James Bond middlebrow, <laughs> or the populist uh, in me. Well, you know, the, the James Bond in me wants the Shakespeare to meet. Yeah, yeah, I want them to meet. And it's and, and I think in Red Bull's best work they do meet. It's not always action adventure, of course, but you know what I mean. That sense of the popular and the might what might seem I don't know what's the right word for the Shakespeare of that. But but in any case, Shakespeare was a popular writer. And and so bringing audiences together to enjoy Shakespeare in the, in the way that you can enjoy a popular movie, I guess Marvel would be the better analogy now. So I, I haven't really answered your question. I was raised in that way and I fell in love with theater and the idea of a theater company from my experiences uh, there at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, uh, just as a young attendee and student. And so I can remember some productions even from that time, like a production of Hamlet that just blew my blew me away. And I wouldn't be able to tell you who directed it or who played in it, but it doesn't matter because it was just a great company of actors. I mean, it matters because there were people that <laughs> they matter, but, but, it does, but in some ways it doesn't because it was the idea that a group of actors and directors would come together and do Shakespeare musicals, new plays and in a three theater complex and do all these things and, and, and repertory them. That blew my mind. And so I then later on in college, I had a similar kind of more, more adult experience of, of spending a semester abroad in London and seeing how that worked at the RSC and how it worked at the National and what the West End was like. And then eventually came to New York. I'm not giving you my whole life story, but but at the risk of avoiding picking a particular play, I had some really great experiences at 
places like the Guthrie Theater, uh, where I was an intern and then an apprentice and assistant director, and the Shakespeare Theater in Washington, D.C. Uh, for a few years when I was, I was an assistant director there for a few years under Michael Kahn. So I was Michael Kahn's assistant. I was Garland Wright's assistant at the Guthrie. And, and they were really my two key mentors. And, and I think I, I learned a great deal from them. And Garland's work, I, I will pull out one of his productions that really did change my life in some respects. He did a production of, of As You Like It, actually. Shakespeare's As You Like It. And in the mid 90s at the Guthrie. And I was in my early 20s. And I was at a place where I, I really wasn't sure how to pursue this career in the theater. And, or if I maybe I didn't want to anymore. It was too frustrating. It was too hard. I knew I was a director, but I it was, you know, nobody was taking me seriously. I wasn't getting into the graduate school I wanted to. I wasn't getting to direct a play. And how come? Why not? And I saw, and I was working at the Guthrie Theater in the front of house. I was an usher and house manager there. And it was a couple of years after college. And he directed this production of As You Like It that just blew my mind with its, its beauty and artistry and heart and humor. And it featured some actors whose names you probably know that they weren't known then. Bill Camp was in it. He played Orlando. Elizabeth Marvel played Rosalind. Thomas J. Ryan was Touchstone. And of course, the acting company of the Guthrie Theater was a repertory acting company. It's a resident acting company. And there were terrific actors there. And that on its own was a production that just is vividly burned in my memory. And, but also it, it propelled me forward to say, oh my God, of course I wanna do this for, uh, for my career. I must do this. How can I become an artist like that? And I asked if I could be his assistant on the next thing he directed. And he, you know, I was so nervous, Andrew. I was so nervous when I asked him that question. And he just looked at me like, sure. And, you know, it just changed my life because uh, I, I got to work with him on a few shows after that at the Guthrie. And then I got and he introduced me to Michael Kahn and I worked at Michael Kahn's theater for a few years. And Michael did some tremendous productions there. One that sticks in my mind was actually not directed by Michael was Joanna Kalaitis's The Trojan Women. She did a terrific production of The Trojan Women that I learned a lot from and was really powerful. And there, there are, you know, there are others that I really were memorable. I saw a production of The Crucible at the National Theater in maybe 1990, 91, 92. And that was one of the, you know, one of the few times when I just spontaneously stood up at the end. And there are others. I don't know. I'm now I'm rambling. So you'll have to pull me back on track. I've gone through a, a, um, <laughs> no, a wormhole of memory. <laughs> I love it. I'm just listening to these incredible moments you've had. And I'm just thinking, when is your book coming out? This is amazing. Uh, the life you've led. I, I want to build on it, in fact, and, and I would love to know, you know, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Well, that's a great question. I, you know, my, I, I suppose if I had to choose my favorite part, it is when some when that magical thing happens in a production, like a process is a healthy creative process and an audience meets it. And whether it's a comedy or a drama or a tragedy, you can feel that it's just a hundred percent working that everyone either in the case of like the government inspector well every moment wasn't perfect but there were a number of moments in that production where you thought well we we have we've we've achieved something that's beyond just a good play and a fun night out the audience and the actors are in unison and they are you know the old greek word of catharsis but it, but it's not in that case, it wasn't even, it was cathartic, it was cathartic laughter. 
and uh, and I've seen it in other productions, uh, even as far back as the production of Pericles that we did that started the company, which featured Daniel Breaker in the title role. And it was, if I can humbly, modestly, if I can modestly say, it, it was a really beautiful production. And it was, and there was, there were, it was, there were moments in it, particularly after the great recognition scene with Marina and Pericles and the goddess Diana appears to Pericles in a vision where you could really feel the audience breathing as one and, and, and having a, and the flip side of the laughter at Governor Spectre, the emotional kind of restorative release of tears and joy. Those are the moments that I think we do it for. The other thing that I, second to that is the, what I think I alluded to earlier is the, is the, the real community aspect of it that's harder to wrap your mind around all the time because there's so much work to do. But when I am able to zero out, and sometimes it's out of benefit because that's a time when we gather everyone, you know, actors and supporters and the board and, you know, all the patrons are there who really believe in the company and we're just breaking bread and sharing a meal. That's a time that gives me a chance to back up and go, well, well this is a real family. This is a real family. And that, that is a, that's the thing that, um, I can't remember your question, but those are the two things that I value the most about continuing to do this work. That's a wonderful answer, though. No, I love it. I absolutely love that answer about what is your favorite part about working in the theater. And it actually leads me into my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? I don't know if this is my favorite theater memory, but I'll share it because it comes to mind. When I was 14 years old, I was with my best friend in high school, and we had gone to the Sundance Theater you know, back before the Sundance Institute and Robert Redford had turned it into what it became, it, there was a theater, an outdoor summer stock theater. And my high school drama teacher used to work there. And he took us out. He took us on a trip, like a two-week trip to Utah. Was, and we worked on the stage. Um, you know, I don't remember everything we did. We helped paint props and, you know, probably just got in the way more than anything else. But we helped, you know, we were 14 or 15 years old and we helped. But the thing that I remember, they were doing Camelot and The Wizard of Oz, uh, the musical, of course, outside in this theater. And one night the power went out. And what are you going to do? The lights don't work. Well, you know, people just drove their trucks up on top of a hill, turned on the headlights and, and the show went on. And, you know, that for my impressionable uh, young self was, well, I still remember it. It was an impressionable moment of, well, this is, you know, we don't need the lights. All, you know, we need some lights. Turn on your headlights. Turn on your flashlights. The show continues. I love that. Oh, my gosh. I love that. What a wonderful memory. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yes. I want to ask, are there any upcoming projects or productions that you or the Red Bull Theater have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug? Now, you had mentioned a lot of the stuff coming down with all, all the stuff, all these readings coming, this great festival in the spring. Do you want to hit them one more time just to fresh? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll, yes, absolutely. I would love to tell you about them. So here's, here, uh, I'll even look at a list while I'm talking just so I don't leave anything out. The... I'll lead first with the thing that is coming last. In the summer and fall of 2024, we're doing a three-way co-production of Medea Reversed. This is a new version of Euripides' tragedy in hip-hop, 
by Luis Quintero. It's going to take the roof off off-Broadway. It's really great. That'll be in the fall of 2024 at the Sheen Center. Coming up next for us, very next, is Monday, December 11th, the Revelation Concert Event of the Country Wife by Maltby and Shire. This is adapted from the William Witcherly Restoration Comedy. It is going to be a great night. It's at Symphony Space. It's on Monday, December 11th, 7.30 p.m. Get your tickets now. Then following that, we've got some wonderful readings coming up. Beginning on Monday, January 22nd, we have a reading of The Revenge, which is a little-known play from the 18th century by Edward Young, which is uh, sort of like a, a new take on Othello. That's directed by uh, Nathan Winkelstein, our associate artistic director, and it features a cast starring Matthew Rauch and Alexander Silber. Then in February, on Monday, February 19th, I'm directing what I think is going to be just a hoot and a great night out. Hope you'll join me at a new version of Moliere's The Imaginary Invalid. It's adapted by Jeffrey Hatcher. It's featuring a cast of terrific actors, including Jordan Boatman, Will Brill, Arnie Burton, Kelly Curran, Mark Lynn Baker, Lorenzo Pisoni, and John Yee. It's got music by Greg Pliska, and that'll be at the French Institute of Alliance Francaise FIOF again on Monday, February 19th, which is President's Day. It's again a one night only event. And, and then we have a couple more of those if you have a little more time. Monday, March 25th, we have Antony and Cleopatra, of course, by William Shakespeare. We're presenting that in partnership with the acting company directed by Aaron Arbus. I can't tell you the whole cast yet, but I'm telling you now, this is going to be a hard ticket to get. John Douglas Thompson is playing Antony, and I'm not going to tell you who's playing Cleopatra because we haven't announced it yet. Then in April and May, we are doing our 20th anniversary festival of, of workshops and readings. Folks focusing in on Shakespeare, his contemporaries, and more. The first event will be a new cabaret by Jacob Ming Trench, starring Jacob. It's called How Shakespeare Saved My Life. It's got song and speech, and it'll be really terrific. Then Chukwudi Awuji is developing a new version, a new production of Macbeth, and that will be workshop. At, uh, during this month of April and May. Also, a workshop of The Rover by Afra Ben. If you haven't seen it, Afra Ben uh, wrote a hilarious restoration comedy. It's really Shakespearean in spirit. It's a lot of fun. She was the first professional female playwright, and this will be a chance to see that at the end of April at the Sheen Center. All of these events are happening at the Sheen Center for Thought and Culture downtown on Bleecker Street near the Public Theater. We'll have a reading of a new play by Bill Kane, which is called God's Spies, and that title is taken from a quote from the play King Lear, when this play is about the writing of King Lear during the plague. And I think I mentioned also on Monday, April 29th, we're doing a reading of uh, William Shakespeare's The Tempest, which I'm directing. That reading will feature Patrick Page as Prospero and some other terrific names to be announced that I can't divulge yet because we made an agreement that we're not going to make all the publicity tonight. Uh, also, we are doing a reading of Liz Duffy Adams' play, Or What She Will, which is a play about the life of Afro Ben, who was not just a playwright, but also a spy. And finally, there are a couple other things I can't announce yet. So that's what's coming up this spring. And I, oh, I have one other thing in June, we have an annual short new play festival, which we do. And that features the work, it features eight 10 minute plays by some of the hottest writers writing today, all wrestling with classic themes. We commission two and we, so we receive open submissions from anywhere in the world for the other six and they're judged by a group of peers. And those uh, submissions will, for that will open in January. One of the writers will be Madeline George, and the other writers are not to be uh, are not yet to get announced. That is incredible, incredible. I know what I'm going to be filling my calendar with. So that's amazing. Good. 
And my final question, which is perfect to jump off from that, is if our listeners want more information about The Country Wife or about any of these great productions that you have coming on the pipeline or about you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? It's easy. We are we are at redbulltheater.com. That's R-E-D-B-U-L-L-T-H-E-A-T-E-R dot C-O-M. And everything that you need to know about us and where to find us is there. We do perform at different venues around town, but usually we're either at the Symphony Space, the Sheen Center, or the Lucille Lortel Theater downtown on Christopher Street. Those are our regulars. But that, all that information is on our website. You can also call us during regular business hours. We still have telephones. We're reachable at 212-343-7394. And we have email addresses. They're all listed on our website as well as our biographies. And it's just at redbulltheater.com. It's just the first name of whoever you're trying to reach and then at redbulltheater.com. So don't be shy. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Well, this is all wonderful. Jesse, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This has been fantastic. I am so, so happy that I got the chance to speak with you about the exciting upcoming performance of The Country Wife and about all the things coming in your 20th season. This is, I, 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 I'm I, sold. I'm there. I will not be missing another performance in the Red Bull Theater. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and I look forward to seeing you. I hope you'll join us on December 11th. Yes. My guest today has been the artistic director of the Red Bull Theater, Jesse Berger, who joined us today to speak about the Red Bull Theater's 20th anniversary season, as well as the upcoming one night only performance of The Country Wife being presented by Red Bull Theater and Art Lab Productions. That performance is happening on Monday, December 11th at Symphony Space. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting redbulltheater.com, which is also the best place to get any and all information about their upcoming season or how to reach out to them. We're going to have all this information posted on our episode description as well as our social media posts, but they have a phenomenal, phenomenal season coming up. We are going to be at all of it. This just is so good. It has to be fat free. So make sure you follow Red Bull Theater to stay up to date on all of it. And it all kicks off Monday, December 11th with The Country Wife. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.